Listen now for God's word for us in the first nine verses of the 13th chapter of Luke's Gospel. At that very time, there were some present who told him about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year till I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Tyrants, towers, and trees. In our reading from the 13th chapter of Luke, Jesus talks about all three. Well, what's the connection between tyrants, towers, and trees? Well, first, the tyrants. Some of the people with Jesus told them the story about a Roman atrocity, about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. Well, you know the place where they would have been making sacrifices. It was in the temple in Jerusalem. So in essence, they were murdered while in worship. Murdered in worship. Well, like the 49 Muslims killed while praying in two New Zealand mosques, like the Coptic Christians attacked over and over in Egypt, like the 11 Jews in Pittsburgh's Tree of Life synagogue, like the 26 killed and 20 shot at the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas, a church that looks a whole lot like Berea, like the nine folks killed while in Bible study at that Charleston church known as Mother Emanuel, like the doctor who was shot and killed while ushering at the Reformed Lutheran Church in Wichita, Kansas. And yes, there are lots more examples, but the truth is there are many, many more. When Jesus heard the story of this atrocity of Pilate having Jews murdered while in worship in the temple, he did not send his thoughts and prayers he didn't express outrage on Facebook or write a long, angry letter to the editor and the News Observer. He didn't respond at all like his hearers expected him to. But he asked them, do you think these folks were worse 
sinners than all the other Galileans? Then he answered his own question and asked another. No, he said, but unless you repent, you'll perish as they did. And, and the, he, then he talked about the 18 that were killed when this tower had fallen on them. Do you think they were worse than all the others in Jerusalem? That tower would have been on the Jerusalem wall. No, but unless you repent, you'll perish like they did. The stories of murdered worshipers and the fallen tower have one thing in common, victims. Jesus tell his, tells his followers, his followers that none of these victims, none of them was any worse than all the folks that survived. They did not fall prey to tragedy because of some sin, some shortcoming, some fault in their character. Though they probably had sins and faults in their character, just like the rest of us. When something bad happens, we often, we look for somebody to blame. Well, for example, if you read the ninth chapter of John's Gospel, as it says, as Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth, and disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Well, he went on to say, we must do the work that needs doing while, for the night is coming when no one can work. When something bad happens, especially if it happens to us, we may want to blame our parents or blame somebody. But if it happens to somebody else, we tend to blame the victim. Well, just for example, one of my relatives died of a sudden heart attack. No warning for any of us. And when I mentioned at the funeral home that perhaps his having had rheumatic fever as a child had weakened his heart, the person I said that to was visibly relieved. Whew. You see, that information made them feel safer from random disaster. You have probably heard and maybe, maybe you've even said something like that yourself. You know, he was always eating the wrong things, <laughs> didn't watch his diet, or everybody knows she never took care of herself. <laughs> Worked herself to death. I think part of why we blame the victim is that very thing, to feel safe. Well, just, I had an example for myself. Uh, years ago, the news was that a woman had been attacked at NC State on the Pullen Road Bridge. You know, the one that goes over the railroad tracks right next to the park. Well, part of why that story bothered me was I, I was a graduate student and teaching assistant, I regularly walked or biked across that very bridge. But as I read further into the news story, I found a detail that gave me relief. The attack happened between two and three in the morning. Well, there you go, I was safe. Because I knew, I knew don't be out on the street or out on some bridge on foot by myself in the middle of the night who would do that? Well, here's the Paul Harvey rest of the story part. 
the rest of the story, it turned out that the young blonde woman who was attacked, she was an undercover police officer. <laughs> and they caught the guy that attacked her. He was a former Carolina cheerleader, if you can imagine. He was wearing nothing but tennis shoes and the grease he had coated his body with so it would be hard to catch. <laughs> he was going to run like grease lightning, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe alcohol was involved. I don't know. Well, when we hear tragic stories, we often look for some way to blame the victim, basically to distance ourselves from danger. And when we hear, we hear atrocity stories, we, we tend to find a way to get convey our righteous anger. Facebook, internet, letters, somehow. But that's not what Jesus did. He gave a warning. Unless you repent, you're going to perish just like they did. He was not saying that if you don't repent, you might get slaughtered while you worship, or if you don't repent, a tower might fall down on you, or a truck run over you or something. How do we know that's what he was saying? To repent while there's yet time. Well, because he told a parable about this fruitless fig tree. Man had the vineyard planted, a tree planted in the vineyard, came looking on it. See here, three years and no figs. It's wasting soil, cut it down. And the gardener pleads, let it alone, one more year. Let me dig around it. Put out some fertilizer. If it bears fruit, good. Well, in some ways, that parable, it, it kind of reminds us of Isaiah's description of a disappointing vineyard that had uh, produced only wild and worthless grapes. In Isaiah, you read, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the, is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice. He saw bloodshed. Righteousness, but he, but he heard a cry. So what does this fruitless fig tree parable mean? Who do the characters refer to? Who's the owner? Who's the gardener? What's that tree represent? Is this a parable about judgment or about grace or both? Well, those are good questions, but the more important questions are what kind of fruit, what kind of spiritual fruit are you and I producing? Do we maybe need to a little digging around, a little more fertilizer to help us thrive as disciples? So my challenge is remember that with stories of tyrants, towers, and trees, Jesus has called us to repent while there is yet time. And to remember that repent does not mean to mutter, sorry dude, or if you were, all those lawyers things, you know, if you were offended, yeah, I'm sorry that you were offended. Doesn't say I'm sorry for what I did. Or even worse, I'm sorry for what happened. No, if you did it, so I'm sorry for what I did. But to repent, to change direction while there is yet time. Thanks be to God. The hour is coming and now is here, so go forth to worship the Lord your God in spirit and in truth. In everything that you do and everything that you say,
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, springing up like living water, fill your heart and flow through your life from this day forth. Amen.